Hello and welcome to another episode of the Sit Rep. I am Marine Corps veteran Paul Corbett, and today we are going to be discussing the Thrift Savings Plan. What is it? How does it compare with other investment strategies? How to manage and access your funds, and much more. But before we dive in, do me a favor and hit that like button and subscribe, which helps the Sit Rep in its mission of connecting veterans with the benefits they have earned and deserve. Today I am joined by Mike Drew the Deputy Chief Investment Officer for the Thrift Savings Plan. Mike, thanks so much for flying into the podcast. Thanks, Paul. Good to be here. And uh, so for our audience out there, a Thrift Savings Plan is available to government employees. It's also available to those that are in uniform. Uh, so what is a Thrift Savings Plan? What is it all about? I think the, the best way to think about the Thrift Savings Plan, uh, TSP as we call it for short, is the 401k for as you said, all civilian and military members. So it is the employer-sponsored savings plan for your retirement. In this case, the employer is the US government. So it covers federal civilian employees and members of the uniformed services. And so before we d dive into, you know, uh, the different strategies that someone can employ and, and how to utilize and all that kind of stuff, um, how long has the TSP been around? Well, the legislation that created us was uh, passed in 1986, and then the TSP opened for business the following year. So we've been around about 36 years now. Wow, so it's pretty new, actually. Relatively speaking, yes. In fact, uh, a, a lot of participants who were federal civilian employees back then are just now reaching retirement age. So they've had their whole career with the TSP, but they're the, they're the first of that kind. Interesting. And um, so it, where is it based out of and who manages it? Well, we are a, an independent federal agency based in Washington, D.C. Uh, we have about 250 employees, um, and many of us happen to be veterans, myself included. Uh, so we are dedicated to running the TSP uh, in the best interest of all of our uh, participants and beneficiaries. And what is the major, I mean, if, if you're going to do your elevator sales pitch on <laughs> why someone should be using TSP, what would it be? I would say... First and foremost, we keep the fees as low as possible. Um, it's a it's a plan, as I said. We're all we're all federal employees running it. In fact, we are participants ourselves, so we have our own vested interest in making sure it's a well run plan. Uh, and so we strive to keep our fees low, keep our choices uh, great, uh, make the whole plan the the whole participant experience in the plan just as as simple and comprehensive as possible, so that. Uh, Folks at the VA can do all the great things that, that they do for our country, keeping our, our veterans and those who have served uh, uh, happy and healthy. And so what, what, is, what is the difference between a TSP and a pension? That's a great question. Uh, the pension is what we call a defined benefit, which is a technical term, but really that just means it's a promise for life. That is a promise from the government or another employer that you will get X number of dollars per month for the rest of your life. TSP is a little different. It's it's defined contribution, which means it's up to the participant how much you put into this plan. So you bear the responsibility of deciding how much do I contribute? How is that invested? And then when you reach retirement, how do I spend it and make it last through my retirement? So it's a it's a different take on how to pay yourself in retirement. So if I'm a member of the uniformed service or if I'm a, a civilian employee for the federal government, how how do I start with the TSP? Well, the good news is if you are a civilian, you were automatically enrolled. Um, if you were 
uh, a member of the uniformed services who joined since uh, January 1st of 2018, you were also automatically enrolled. So a TSP account was created for you. Oh, interesting. Um, in the case of the uniformed services, I, they wait about 60 days um, to set up your account just to make sure you made it through boot camp. Um, but assuming you do that, you have a TSP account that's created for you and you are um, automatically making contributions from your paycheck um, into your TSP account. And so uh, with regard to contributions to the TSP, like what options are there and does my employer contribute as well? Yes. Um, you, it's, it's totally up to you how much you contribute. By default, since October 1st of 2020, by default, everyone contributes 5%. Before that, the default was 3%. Um, but either way, you, if you come in today, you are contributing at 5%. And then it's up to you where you want to, where you want to direct those contributions into which investment fund. But by default, you'll be put in what we call a life cycle fund or an L fund. So it's a fund that is based on when we, our best guess for when we think you're going to retire and, and need this money. So it's it, asset allocation is based on, on that projected date in the future. And are the contributions that I as an individual put into my TSP, are they tax deductible or, or even interestingly, um, you know, if, if I'm in the uniform service and I happen to be deployed in an area where it's a tax-free zone, yes. like how does that work too? That's, that's a very important question. Like they say, you can't escape death and taxes. And, and, <laughs> and, uh, and, and so the, 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 that's a, maybe a gloomy way to look at it, but on the bright side, the government wants you to save for retirement. And that's true, whether you're talking about the TSP or an IRA or other, other retirement savings vehicles. So the government says, we will give you a tax break if you participate in one of these plans. The question is, do I take that tax break now or do I take it in the future? So when you hear traditional versus Roth, that's really just, do I want a tax break today or do I want a tax break uh, in the future when I'm withdrawing from this account? Traditional says, give me the tax break today. So you'll have more in your paycheck uh, today, but when you go to withdraw in retirement, you will pay taxes on that money. Roth says the opposite. I don't need a tax break today, um, but when I go to withdraw, all, the, all of that will be tax-free assuming you play by the rules um, associated with retirement savings. So um, that's really the, the, the trade-off, tax break now or tax break later. You also mentioned an important consideration for military members, which is the combat zone tax exclusion. And that's a special category that really only applies to military folks who've deployed to certain locations, but that's a separate bucket of money that uh, will never be taxed. And so that that's kind of its own category and, and the TSP makes sure that we we handle it correctly for you. Oh, so they just put it in a separate bucket, so to speak. Exactly, yeah. It, it, and, and for that reason, your uniform services account is specially designed to reflect that, so. And so I, I don't wanna get too far into the weeds, uh, but, to expand on contributions, I mean, how little or how much can a person contribute to their TSP? Those limits are set by the IRS and we always keep them current on our website. So I encourage people to go and you'll see it right there and how much you can contribute each year. But um, as it stands right now, it's 22,500 for the year 2023. Um, 
if you're over if you're 50 or over there's something called catch-up contributions where they the the irs raises the limit for uh people in that age bracket so um but for most participants it's that twenty-two thousand five hundred. and then there's some other rules about how much can go in when your employer matches those contributions um so th those those limits are also available on our website so if I'm contributing uh, X amount to my TSP regularly out of all my paychecks, uh, does it affect how much I could contribute to like an IRA or something like that? Not not in the case of IRAs, but if let's say you're a civilian employer, uh, uh, you're a civilian who's in the reserve and you come on the reserve duty for part of the year and use part of that reserve pay to contribute to the TSP, you'll have to make sure that you, you don't, between your contributions to the TSP um, and your contributions back in your civilian job, uh, whether that's also in the TSP through the, through the federal government or uh, maybe a private sector company, those two things combined can't exceed that limit that we talked about. If you're a, a civilian federal employee and you have a TSP account there and you're also a reservist and you have a uniformed services account, the TSP will make sure that you don't exceed that limit. Uh, by monitoring both of your accounts, they we know that you have those two separate accounts. So what happens? What happens with TSP? Say, if I am in uh, uniform service or uh, I'm a civil servant, mm. um, and I either leave the military or I decide, hey, you know what? I'm done with the VA. I'm leaving my job. Yeah. yeah. Uh, is, can I keep contributing to it, or how does that work? You you can't contribute to it because it's based on payroll deductions. So you, if you left altogether, and you know, it, it, let's talk about two scenarios. If you left the VA and went to a different federal agency, your TSP account will follow you there. Okay. If you left the VA and went to the private sector, you would you wouldn't be able to contribute from that that next job into the TSP. But your TSP account will still be there. Um, you'll still you could still roll some money into it. Roll from another. Uh, retirement plan, but the the payroll deduction aspect of it won't exist at your new private sector job. If I'm no longer a government employee, mm -hmm. can I send a check to TSP and say, here here's $20,000, put it in the account? Only if it came from, let's say, a different 401k or a different uh, retirement savings plan from another job you had in your past. And that's called a rollover. And you can find all the details of that on our, on our website. Um, but you couldn't say, oh, I, I, I saved up a couple thousand uh, on the side. It's in my checking account. I just want to write a check to the TSB. <laughs> Unfortunately, you can't okay. do that. Uh, so, Mike, um, you know, in, in the unfortunate situation that, you know, I myself have a TSP account or a loved one has a TSP account uh, and pass away, um, what, what happens to the account? When that happens, we will look for a, uh, a form on file with us uh, that designates a beneficiary. So this is a great time to remind everyone, if you haven't done that, you can do that through your account on tsp.gov. If we don't have a form like that on file, there's a, what's called a statutory order of precedence. It's a set of rules that we have to follow to look for your next of kin, the next person in line to receive your assets. And once that person's located, we will create what we call beneficiary participant accounts. So we will create accounts for those beneficiaries and then they own it. It's their TSP account to do whatever they need to do with it. 
And so once the, the account has been created, a temporary account has been created for a loved one or whoever the beneficiary is, right. like are, are there next steps to that? Is Do they get to maintain the account or do they have to roll it over into something else? Like how does that work? If you're a spouse, uh, you can keep it there as long as you need. If you're not a spouse, you were someone else on that list who became the beneficiary, cash it out, withdraw it completely, or you can roll it into uh, a special kind of IRA for inheritances. So with regard to thrift savings plan, I've seen a lot of people uh, on the old interwebs that are searching uh, whether or not TSP is basically a 401k. Is is it or is it not? For all intents and purposes, that's a good way to think about it. It technically, uh, we're under a different statute and f 401k is one part of the tax code. Um, you may hear references to 403bs 457s, those are other parts of the tax code. Um, TSP was created by its own statute, but whether it's TSP, 401k, 403b, 457, it's all the same idea, which is a defined contribution workplace retirement savings plan. So it is a, a savings vehicle set up by an employer that lets the employees set aside some of their pay for retirement. And the employer sponsors that plan in some in most cases uh, helps encourage savings for retirement by matching contributions or even putting in some automatic contributions um and that's the case for the tsp as well in this case the employer sponsoring the plan is the u.s government and it uh encourages all federal employees and members of the uniformed services to participate um, by matching uh, their contributions and by putting in an automatic 1%. We of course can't provide uh, financial advice or tell people what to do with right. their money or anything. Um, but is there a major difference between TSP and 403B and all the other options that are out there? Is the I, I don't think there is for the participant, you know, from the participant's perspective, the, the either current or former uniformed services member or, or federal civilian employee who's out there, it, I don't think you'll you'll notice a big difference if you end up working in different places that offer these plans. It, it's, it, it'll still show up as a line item on your pay statement that this is how much you deferred from last month's paycheck. It went into this account. Um, you'll probably have a similar experience of logging into your account. You can see how much you've contributed over the years, what it's grown to, what funds you're invested in. So I think from the participants' perspective, all of the, the plans probably feel very similar. And is is there a difference? I mean, there's also a comparison between TSP and an IRA. Yes. So it's, you want to expand that, on that, that a is bit? A, that is a key difference. So the, uh, the I and IRA stands for individual, individual retirement account. Uh, and it's individual in the sense that it's not connected to your employer, which is good because it means you can start one anytime, anywhere. I mean, the, the IRS has some some limits about um, how much you can contribute, but you can you can start one on your own um, before you did a job or while you have a job or if you're in between jobs. The only downside is that since it's not connected to your employer, your employer isn't doing any matching uh, like you would see in the TSP. And then lastly, the last question I'd like to ask with regard to comparison between TSP and other types of investment accounts. Um, is it possible to roll your TSP? I mean, earlier we were discussing, you know, it's whether you leave federal service or 
unfortunately pass away, whatever, right. it's, it's possible to roll the TSP into an IRA or some other type of account? Yes, in 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 most cases you you can. Uh, if you leave the TSP, leave I should say leave federal service, um, and you decide it it's not for me. I, I I want I want to put my retirement savings somewhere else. You you can roll into other retirement savings plans such as an IRA. Um, the one thing to keep in mind, and we talked about this a little bit earlier, for uniform services members who spent time in a combat zone and have that special bucket of money we discussed where it's tax exempt. Um, that's something to check with the the uh, the fund that you want to roll into, the, the in savings vehicle that you want to roll your TSP into. You want to make sure that they can accommodate that tax exempt money. Um, not everyone's used to dealing with uniformed services members like the TSP is, so it's it's an important question to ask. Yeah, I don't think I would have even thought of that. I'd just been like, "Oh, I've got all this money sitting here." And it, 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 that's exactly right. And, and you can and run into some real serious it, tax issues. It, yes, we and and we we don't give tax advice, but we just want to make sure people are aware of of some of the unique circumstances that uniformed services members face because they have that that tax exempt bucket of money. Um, so, Mike, something that I kind of want to dive into a little bit more, because I know it's, uh, we're throwing around terms like Roth and traditional and stuff right. like that. For uh, some people, they know exactly what we're talking about. Some people are like, uh, what? Yeah. So if you wouldn't mind explaining what the difference is between Roth and traditional with regard to the thrift savings plan. Yeah, that's, it's, a, it's an important question because it has to do with how you're going to pay taxes. Unfortunately, you can't escape taxes in life. And the question is, do you want a tax break today or tax break in the future. That's that's the bright side of this. You, The government wants you to participate in the TSP and set aside part of your pay today for your retirement, and they'll give you a tax break. And the question is, do you want that today or in the, in the future? Taking a tax break today, that's what we mean when we say traditional. Roth is the other side of this. It's taking a tax break in the future when you're actually making withdrawals. So I can give, give you an, a high-level example if you go into MyPay or Employee Express or whatever your, your payroll operating system is, you can make an election of how much you want to contribute. And let's say you, you set 5%. Whether you set aside 5% out of each paycheck as traditional or as Roth, the same amount is going to go into your TSP account each month. But where you'll see the difference is that if, you, if that 5% is traditional, you'll have a bigger take-home pay because the, the government's giving you that tax break today. Um, but as we said, when you reach retirement, you will be taxed on those withdrawals from, from your traditional assets. You wouldn't be taxed from the Roth, the Roth withdrawals. So that's the, the key question. Again, tax break today or in the future. And we can't give tax advice at the TSP. I encourage you to speak with a, a tax uh, advisor or or um, an accountant for that, but just keep in mind where you think you'll be in terms of a tax bracket today, where you might be 30, 40 years from now in retirement. That might help you make a decision. Hopefully a higher one. Yeah. <laughs> Ho hopefully, yeah. Um, um, but that's a decision for each individual to make. So Mike, we've, we've kind of, we've kind of touched on this a little bit, but uh, from a 10,000 foot level, like mm -hmm. what, what are the different investment opportunities that are available through the TSP? I 
we'll start talking about our individual funds. And I think the best way to do that is in terms of risk. You hear a lot of sophisticated investment terms, but a lot of it's really just common sense. And when we say risk return trade-off, what we mean is there's no such thing as a free lunch. If you want a the opportunity to earn a higher rate of return, you have to be willing to accept a higher risk, meaning your investments might be more volatile. So starting with the safest, we have the G fund, which is essentially a savings bond issued to the TSP. It's ultra safe. It never goes down. It's backed by the full faith and credit of the US government. So it will never go down. But as you might imagine, it's, it's usually not the top performing fund in terms of return. One step up on the risk spectrum of that would be our F fund. F stands for fixed income. That also invests in bonds, but not not the not exclusively in the ultra safe bonds like like the G fund. It also has bonds from some uh, companies. They're they're high quality companies, but they could go bankrupt, and and so there's a little bit more risk there. But I in in theory, you're getting a little extra return. The next three funds are all stock funds as opposed to the the bonds that I described previously. So we have C, S, and I. C follows the S&P 500, which are 500 of the biggest companies in the US. Any big company you can think of, Microsoft, Apple, Google, those are three of the top ones, um, is, is most likely in that S&P 500. And so it just seeks to track the performance of that, that group of 500 companies. The S fund, uh, follows an uh, also follows an uh, an index which is referred to as the completion index, meaning it takes everything in the U.S. economy that's not um, in the C fund. So all of the, the other publicly traded companies that aren't in the S and P 500, so these are smaller and medium sized companies, are in that index, and that's one additional step up the risk spectrum because those companies aren't as well established. But with that, as I said, comes the opportunity for higher reward. Some of those smaller companies are some of the fastest growing companies. And I'll give you a good example of that. Until about a year and a half ago, Tesla was in the S fund. I think we're all familiar with the rise of that company. Yeah, and I've, I've heard of it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And uh, it graduated, if you will. It got promoted from the S fund to the C fund because it, it, it grew big enough. It met the requirements to be in the S&P 500. So what what that means from the TSP perspective is that if you owned uh, the S fund, you had a little bit of Tesla until it got promoted to the C fund. And now if you own the C fund, you have a little bit of Tesla. The last stock fund that we have is the I fund, which stands for international. And it invests in um, larger companies uh, in countries around the world. And that so that has all the same risks that we talked about with CNS. You know, these are these are companies that might do well, might go bankrupt. Um, but in the case of the I fund, they're operating in other economies, which means on top of all that risk, you have exchange rate risk. Yeah, a currency changes. Exactly, and all that, a yeah. company in a, in a different country might make a lot of profit in euros, but if euros aren't worth as much in dollars. That's what we care about as TSP participants, and that's a, uh, that's a lot to keep track of. It is, and yeah. and that's why you think of it as each you know step up the ladder in risk, but is is also an opportunity for more return. 
So I know there's a lot of people out there in the audience that have questions with regard to L funds. I mean, really, what are they? What's the purpose? Um, generally speaking, I mean, we're not telling people what to invest in and what have you. Right. Um, but how do you want to look at them or negotiate them or how do you select which one to select? Yeah, it's a great, you know? it's a great question. And it is important because the L funds are the default investment. They've been that way for several years now. If you are a civilian who came in since September 2015, or you're a uniformed services member who joined since uh, January 1st, 2018, and you're covered under blended retirement, this is your default investment. So if you if you joined in those time periods and you haven't ever logged into your TSP account, first of all, there's not necessarily anything wrong with that, <laughs> but you were put into a an L fund, a life cycle fund that we think best matches when you're going to need that money in retirement. We, we, we do that based solely on averages. We're just looking at when people tend to start making withdrawals. But we, we looked at your, your age now and, and when you'll turn roughly 63, and we put you in an L fund that corresponds to that date. And when I say corresponds to that date, you'll notice when you look at our L fund lineup on the website, they all have years in the name. So there's L2065 is the longest dated one. It goes in five-year increments all the way down to L2025, which is only a couple of years away now, and then an L income fund. So they're in five-year increments designed around a particular time in the future when TSP participants will need to start paying themselves in retirement. So that means that each one of those funds has an asset allocation specific to where you are in your life cycle during uh, during that point in time. Meaning today, L2065, the one that's for the youngest participants, 40 plus years from retirement, it's almost entirely in the C, S, and I funds. Those are the stock funds. So C and S invest in American companies, large and small. The I fund invests in international companies. Very little of it is in the G fund or the F fund. Those are the safer fixed income bond type funds. Over time, it will evolve to become more conservative, less aggressive. We call that the glide path, because if you looked at it on a chart, it looks kind of like an airplane coming in for landing, going from a high allocation to stocks and CSNI to more of an allocation to the safer funds, GNF. And it'll do that quarter by quarter. It'll step down that glide path, getting gradually more and more conservative until it reaches the L income fund, which as the name implies, that's there to support you paying yourself in retirement for the rest of your life. So when, as I, as, as I mentioned, when you joined, you were put in one that we feel best matches your anticipated withdrawal date. But you know your plans better than we do, and you can change to a different L fund at any time. Yeah, because I might not want to withdraw until I'm 70. Exactly. Not 63, Exactly right. right. And, and there's no fee associated with um, making that change. Um, some people may choose to invest in multiple L funds. And again, that's your, your choice, your right to make that choice. But keep in mind that these L funds are designed for that particular date in mind, that target date of your first withdrawal. So by investing in more than one, you might be duplicating in some sense. 
um, if you if you have a reasonable idea of where you're going to retire, you can uh, retire and start making withdrawals. I should say, you can pick the fund that close, most closely matches that date. And with the L funds, uh, life cycle life cycle income funds, right? Is that the, the proper the, name? Uh, the the income fund is one of the ten L funds. Oh, so okay. The income, all right. That's that's kind of like the final resting place for all of the L funds. They all start out along that glide path and they gradually are s stepping down in terms of risk, becoming more conservative. And then when they reach uh, the end of the line, they get absorbed into the L income fund. So if if you're 25 years old today and you just joined the federal government and you uh, work for the next 35 or 40 years, 40 years from now, you'll be 65 and you will have, if you stay in that fund, you you will see all your assets in the L income fund because it's designed to support those withdrawals that you make in retirement. If you, the TSP has done a major overhaul of its uh, online presence, that's for sure. Uh, and do you guys have like investment tools and all that? Well, not investment tools, but like calculators and all that kind of stuff to figure out, all right, this is my end goal. Like this is about how much I'd really like to have. Uh, maybe I should be contributing this much, so on and so forth. We do. Uh, there are a couple of calculators you can access without having to log in. So they're on the public side of tsp.gov and you can do some scenario planning to see roughly what your savings will grow to, assuming how much you're contributing now and how many years until retirement. If you log into my account on tsp.gov, you'll have access to what's called the Retirement Income Modeler, which is more sophisticated and more personalized. It knows a little bit about you based on your your TSP contribution history. So it it knows how much is in your account, of course. It knows roughly how much you earn in a year. And based on that, you can make more tailored projections of where your account balance will grow to. And what's also nice about it is that it's got different aspects of your retirement package. I mean, the TSP is really just, we say it's one leg of a three-legged stool. The other two legs are Social Security, and your FERS, FERS is the uh, Federal Employees Retirement System. So your pension that you'll get through your civilian job, um, if you're a civilian, you, you could also plug in estimates of your pension if you are uniformed services and intending to get that, that benefit. Um, but you can plug that in, you can plug in estimates for social security, and you can plug in estimates for any savings you have outside the TSP, and it'll help you determine what does that all build up to in terms of your retirement income? Because really that's what this is all about. What paycheck are you going to be able to afford to pay yourself when you stop working? And that tool will help you do it. It's gonna help you show you the money. Exactly. All right. <laughs> um, and so before we move on to the next topic, I also kind of want to, uh, a new wonderful option, that, well, actually tons of options that now exist within the TSP as far as uh, diversifying your portfolio is mutual funds and all of that. That's right. C can you kind of touch on that? Yes. So I, I talked about our core lineup, which was the five individual funds. And then we have 10 L funds, life cycle funds that are um, built on those funds. Um, it's a it's a great lineup. We like to say it has no gaps and no overlaps, meaning almost everything is in there. Um, and they don't really overlap with one another. But in the event that you're looking for something else, something more tailored, 
uh, more specific, you can use the mutual fund window. And there are some fees and restrictions that apply to that. You need to invest at least $10,000 and you can't put more than 25% of your TSP assets into the mutual fund window. Those two things combined, if you do the math, what it means is you need at least $40,000 in your TSP account before you can invest in the mutual fund window. And then when you in go into the mutual fund window, you pay some additional fees just to make sure that the, f the folks who are using it are the ones who are bearing the costs of setting up that window. In the window, you'll find 5,000 different funds. So you might find a technology fund, a mutual fund out there that focuses purely on technology and maybe purely on biotechnology, something about uh, cloning or AI has been in the news. You know, you know there, you yeah. might find a, you might find an AI technology fund. Um, that level of specific investing doesn't exist in our core lineup, but if that's what you really want to do through your TSP account, you can go into the mutual fund window and, and you'll most likely find something. Interesting. And so, where do people go to find more information about that? You can go into my uh, my account on tsp.gov. Um, if you're eligible, you, if you meet those requirements I mentioned a minute ago, you'll see the option to set up a, uh, a mutual fund window account within your TSP account. You can go in and and set it up and explore a little bit without transferring money in if you just want to test it out, see what's available in the, among those 5,000 funds. You can do that without having to incur the fees associated with the window. Uh, so that in recent time, like you've mentioned uh, and a couple other questions that I've asked you, uh, there's been changes within the military, blended retirement and that kind of stuff. Um, you know, it's nice to see uniformed service members now are they're getting TSP accounts. Uh, I served in the early 2000s. I didn't know anything about it. I never set one up. I wish I had. Right. Um, is it possible for me to elect to like get information from the IRS and contact TSP and and my HR or whatever and say, hey, I'd like to make retroactive payments for the you know the time that I missed out on? <laughs> right. Is that an option? Right. Well, unfortunately, it isn't. Uh, we know there are a lot of veterans in situations like you where before blended retirement came along, it was up to you to learn about the TSP and set up your account. The, the nice thing about blended retirement is all of that is automated now. It, people are automatically enrolled. But for, for veterans in that situation, um, unfortunately, there's no way for them to just simply write a check and, and say, this is making up for, for the years I missed when I was a veteran. Now, if that veteran has gone on to become a civilian employee of the federal government and has a TSP account, um, that veteran is eligible for catch-up contributions like all TSP participants are when they reach age 50. So there's a limit on how much you can contribute to your TSP account. It, it, right now it's $22,500. Um, if you're age 50 or older, the government knows that you're getting close to retirement and maybe more eager and more capable of making contributions as your pay has gone up. So that limit rises by $7,500 to $30,000 that you can contribute each year. So in that sense, you know, this, this veteran who missed out back then, you do still have some opportunity to maybe make up for a little lost time. With catch-up contributions, like how does that work? And uh, I mean, are they gonna take it out of my check? Can I send in a check? It, like The good news is we've made it easy for participants. It used to be that 
you you had to treat it like two separate things. This is my my regular contributions, and this is how much I'm going to contribute on a catch up basis. We've streamlined that uh, so that all you do is tell us how much you want to contribute, and the system is smart enough to know uh, that you if you've reached your limit, but you're qualified for catch up contributions. It it will continue to process those, and most importantly, you'll you won't lose out on any matching contributions because without getting too much into the the technical details, in the old days where people had to submit one bucket of contributions for for regular contributions and another one for catch up, people found themselves in situations where they they unfortunately missed out on on matching. But the good news is we've we have streamlined the process, so that's no longer an issue. And then also I wanted to ask uh, before we move on, is there a way, I mean, obviously with the particular fund, I, I don't remember which one is the S&P 500. The C fund. The C fund. Mm -hmm. uh, with the international fund and the other one that's all the other companies. Um, <laughs> the S fund. Yep. S fund. Yep. Uh, is there a, a place on TSP or somewhere that people can go to see what those companies are that are actually listed in that fund? You can see the top 10 holdings on our website. Um, if you go into the individual funds page and there's a tab there for uh, composition, I believe, it'll list the top 10 holdings in all of those funds. Um, and uh, the, the few I named off the top of my head are probably in the top five. So Microsoft, Amazon, Apple, Alphabet, which owns Google, mm -hmm. um, those are pretty solid top five for the C fund the order varies from time to time. And um, and then you can see the same for the S fund and the I fund. Um, the F fund, the fixed income fund holds thousands of individual bonds. So it wouldn't really be very interesting for you to log in and see, you know, such and such bond out of, you know, number out of 13,000 bonds, whatever it is. So instead of showing those top 10 holdings, we show a breakdown by sector. This is how many of them are for U.S. government bonds, how many are corporate bonds, mortgage bonds, things like that. So they'll be able to see that breakdown on the website as well. Okay. So there are a lot of, between the life cycle funds and the G fund and the I fund and S fund and C fund and mm -hmm. F fund. Very good, yep. Um, <laughs> wow. Uh, how easy or complex is it to move the money around? Mm. Um, and not only that, but how quickly does it happen? That's a, that's a great question. Uh, there are some limits in place and they're, they're there for a good reason. Um, we, we really like to keep our fees low to benefit all of our participants. And so th there's a limit on how often you can move between the funds. It'll never, there's never a dollar cost associated with it. So we don't charge a you know, a commission for a trade or anything like that, or any processing fee. It's always free to move between the funds, but you can only do um, two moves per calendar month. And then even after that, if you still need to move, you can, it just has to be to the G fund. So what that means is that, you know, if, if for some reason- if There's like a fire sale or something like that. Yeah, it, yeah. It, or if you have, I mean, there's a good reason for it. If you had a personal emergency and you, needed to lock in, you know, you, you knew that you were going to be making a withdrawal and you had already moved twice within that month, but you wanted to get your money somewhere safe because you had some expenditure coming up. You can always, you can always go back to the G fund, but let's say the first day of the month, 
you decide, oh, I don't, I don't really want to be in the C fund anymore. I want to be in the I fund. And you, you move from C to I. That, that burned through one of your moves. A few days later, you say, oh, I was just reading about the S fund, some of these smaller companies in the US. I'm going to move from I to S. That's two. Now you're done for the month, except you can move back to the G. You can always move back to the G fund. Now, the reason we have that limit in place is it helps keep costs low for all of our participants. We also know that these are retirement savings plans. These are long-term vehicles that um, you shouldn't necessarily be changing every single day. It's not like trading stock. It, yeah. yeah. We, we don't, day trading doesn't really help you for retirement savings. It's debatable whether it helps you at all. But with your TSP, it's best to stay the course. Um, the L funds are great for that because they're actually doing rebalancing every single day. You know, I talked about the L oh, fund. Oh, every day, really? They do. Yeah, they are, they are portfolios. As, as I mentioned, it's a, they take your money, whatever you have in the TSP, and it, they spread it across G, F, C, S, and I. And they do that in proportions according to how old you are and how far we think you are from needing the money. But it doesn't take any market considerations or anything like that. It's just like, okay, today it's going to be 99.9% in this, and then tomorrow's going to be 99.98%. They're, they're on a schedule, which we call a glide path. So it, 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 you start out high and you, you're trying to come in low and hopefully land smoothly at retirement. <laughs> and the, the high part of it, when you're young, high meaning high in stocks, very uh, aggressive, willing to take on that risk of market volatility, you're mostly in in those three stock funds I mentioned, CS and I. Uh, and over time, it'll gradually, every, every quarter, it'll gradually transition away from stocks and towards bonds until you reach retirement. You'll be somewhere in the neighborhood of 20 to 30% stocks and the rest will be in bonds, so a lot safer. You, you wouldn't want to be on the edge of retirement, you know, retirement a year or two away, and you're mostly in the stock market watching your entire balance go up and down. No, that'd be kind of scary. Well, for me, at least, yes. it would be. Uh, for others, it might be very exciting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but you asked about how often they're doing it, and it's, it's an important question because they're, they're doing it every quarter, it's gradually stepping it down. But every single day, they are rebalancing back to their targets. And... That's a great feature of the L funds because it means essentially every day they they buy high or sorry <laughs> they buy low and sell high. So if <laughs> if stocks went up a little bit yesterday and bonds went down, the L funds are on autopilot. They know I need to keep this percentage in stocks and this percentage in bonds. So if if stocks went up, they'll sell off a little bit of stock, put it in bonds, and and vice versa. And they do that every single day just sticking to those targets that's interesting i didn't yeah i wasn't aware of that yeah huh. that's cool um so as as we've uh, already discussed it a little bit uh in some of the previous questions i've asked tsp has gone through a lot of changes mm -hmm. in the past couple of years uh one of them is your website um so real quick if you could explain the process in which somebody actually logs into maybe for the first time mm -hmm. in a TSP setting up their account and username and all that kind of stuff. And then also on top of that, is, is there like a, a mobile option, an application or something yes. like that? So since June 1st, 2022, we've had a, a new system in place. And if you haven't logged in since then, 
And even if you did log in before that, uh, you'll have to uh, reestablish your account. You might be asked some security questions. It may feel similar to other places you've you've had to, to uh, verify your identity, maybe with your bank, things like that. Uh, but once you're established, you're you're back in your account. I think a lot of it will will probably feel similar to what you've you've seen before if if you saw our website before that change. Um, and the important thing to note is throughout that change, nothing happened to your account. No no funds were lost. You no. no uh, none of your investment elections changed. It's all still there and it still has integrity. So um, we did add some new features though, along with that. And one of which you you asked about was the the app. We do have an app on Apple and on Android, and it'll let you do a lot of the same things you're used to doing through the website, you know, ch changing your elections. Uh, you can even sign and submit some forms. We, earlier, we talked about rollovers. If you've got money and you want to bring it into the TSP, there's a feature on there that will let you take pictures of the rollover check and and streamline that process. Oh wow! Yeah, That's so it was, cool. yeah, it is really cool. It's a good uh, enhancement to our participant experience. Oh, it's uh, increased access is always nice, right? Um, and moving away from paper is always nice too. It, <laughs> it, you know, having to get things signed in ink and and uh, notarized and, and things like that, um, it, can, it can slow down the process, but this, this should help that. Awesome. Um, for, the, for those individuals who are out there that were uniform service, uh, had started their TSP well uh, in uniform, mm -hmm. and now they're with the federal government maybe years later or right afterwards, who knows, um, is there the ability to transfer one account to the other? There is, but but with a, a restriction, and th this is uh, something I've we've talked about several times with the the special category of money for deployments. Mm -hmm. It it can uh, if they receive combat, it, right? I, if you were yeah. deployed to a combat zone and made contributions there, those contributions will never be taxed, and so they're in a special category that's only available to uniform services accounts. So what that means is if you have um, that special category of combat zone tax exempt contributions, you won't be able to fully combine your uniform services account with your civilian TSP account. You could you could combine all but that uh, part of your uniform services account, but you'd still have to keep that uniform services account to account for those special tax exempt contributions. Now on the bright side, having that second uniform services account might give you some more flexibility because when you reach retirement, maybe you want to withdraw from one, but not the other. And generally speaking, I think people like being able to consolidate all of their retirement savings in one place, which is why it's a great idea to roll your assets into the TSP if you've got them from another plan. Um, but if you find yourself in a situation where you're you're a former uniform services member, you deployed and you have to keep this account f for those tax exempt contributions. Um, the silver lining of that might be in retirement, you've got, you know, you've got a little more flexibility. You can withdraw from one, but not the other. So Mike, uh, with regard to my TSP, uh, once I leave federal service, whether it's the military or I'm a civilian working for the post office, whatever, mm -hmm. um, what can I do with my TSP? Well, the first thing to know is you don't 
have to to do anything, at least not right away. Um, sometimes people have the impression, I don't work for the government anymore. I have to close out my TSP, and that's that's not the case. You can stay with the TSP, whether you left after your first tour or or you're a civilian who's retiring. You you don't have to cash out your TSP just because you left service. Um, if you want to, you can roll it into another retirement savings plan, either at a new employer um, or an IRA that you set up on your own. Um, but you don't have to leave the TSP. You can stay with us. Um, and really, you don't have to do anything until you reach the age for what are called required minimum distributions or RMDs. And that's what I was going to ask about <laughs> next. Actually, I'm going to pause on that one. Um, so something that I definitely wanted to ask with regard to TSP is like most things, I mean, you have to be in it for a certain amount of time to become vested. Mm -hmm. So is that the case with the thrift savings plan? Is, is there a required amount of time an individual has to be contributing to it or, or what have you in order to, I've got the account. Yeah. And a lot of people might be thinking about this because in the the pension side, there is, there's a significant investing, particularly for the uniformed services, you think staying for 20 years. The good news is the TSP is not like that. Um, there is a vesting re requirement for one piece of the contributions, but not most of it. And I'll explain what that means. So when you contribute to your account, the money that comes out of your paycheck is yours and always yours. You're, you're immediately vested in it. It will be yours regardless of what happens in your career. Um, there's also matching contributions. So to encourage you to save, the government will match your contributions up to a certain amount. Those matching contributions are also yours automatically. Now, I should point out there's a difference civilian versus uniformed services here. Um, if you're a civilian, you started get, getting matching contributions right away. If you are under the blended retirement system, so anyone who came onto active duty um, January 1st, 2018 or later, you have to wait two years before you get your matching contributions. But whenever you do start receiving them, those matching contributions are also immediately yours. The only part that has a vesting requirement is the automatic 1%. So to further encourage people to make use of the TSP, the, the government puts in 1% of your paycheck every pay period, regardless of what you do. You could take your contribution rate down to zero. That's not recommended, but if you chose to do that, you would still receive 1% of your paycheck as a contribution into your TSP account. That part has a vesting requirement. And for civilians, it's three years. And for uniformed services members, it's two years. If you leave before you meet that requirement, you would forfeit that amount. But if you stay beyond it, that money is yours forever. Uh, so Mike, uh, number one, what is an RMD? Mm -hmm. And number two, does the TSP have them? Yes. RMD stands for Required Minimum Distribution. And this is one of those rules, uh, these tax rules that applies to retirement savings plans. Um, as I mentioned earlier, the government wants you to participate, but you have to, you have to play by certain rules, meaning there's only so much you can contribute each year. And then when you go to withdraw, you have to start withdrawing at some point so it just doesn't become a perpetual tax shelter. Um, the age, the second part of your question is, does TSP have them? Yes, we do. Uh, and there's some recent legislation that changed the RMD age. Uh, 
and it will continue to evolve over the the years to come under this legislation. But right now it's 73. So when you reach that age, um, the TSP will check to see if you have withdrawn to satisfy that required minimum distribution. If not, we'll touch you a check to make sure that you satisfy it. And they'll do that every year because it, it's, it's, a, it's an ongoing requirement. Every year you have to draw down a certain amount of your account and, and the exact rules and uh, calculations for that are determined by the IRS. So Mike, the whole entire intent and purpose of TSP is to have a nice nest egg when you retire. Uh, so let's kind of dive into that a little bit. You know, how, at what age is someone able to start removing money from their TSP or withdrawing from their TSP? Uh, and then what are the different options for withdrawing? Yeah, that's a great question. And like you said, that's the whole point of this thing. Generally speaking, if you stay in federal service until age 55 and then retire, you can touch your TSP account immediately without penalty. You'll still have taxes. And we talked earlier about traditional versus Roth. Um, so you'll still have to pay the taxes, but there won't be a penalty. Um, if you left federal service before 55, then you have to wait until 59 and a half to access your TSP account without penalty. There are some exceptions to this for different career fields and different life situations. So I encourage you to check out our website, tsp.gov, for more details. But those, generally speaking, are the rules. And once you are able to access your account, you have a lot of options on how you want to take the money out. You could take it all at once in a lump sum if you chose to do that. Um, but you can also pay yourself over time. You can set up installment payments of, of the amount of your choice every month, every quarter, every year. Um, and as long as there's money in your TSP account, you'll receive that that check or that direct deposit from the TSP. Um, you also have the option to set up payments based on your life expectancy. So the IRS has done the math on how many years you're expected to live, and you can translate that into a, a paycheck. I wish they could share that yeah. with me. Let me know. <laughs> yeah, when we all yeah. like know exactly how much, it would make it easier. Um, but on that topic, if you're not sure how long you want to live, or <laughs> I think we all know how long we want to live, but you're not sure how long you're going to live, um, you can purchase an annuity through the TSP, which is a guaranteed benefit for the rest of your life. Um, you choose how much of your TSP account. It doesn't have to be the whole thing. You can carve out a piece of this and say, I'm going to buy an annuity with this amount of money. And we have partnered with MetLife as our annuity provider. They will um, turn that into uh, a guaranteed stream of payments for the rest of your life. The, um, the, the, the real point that I want to get across is that you have all these options, but you really don't have to do anything. Sometimes people think I'm leaving federal service and I don't, uh, I, I, I must have to close my TSP account, right? There's so many things you do when you leave federal service, you know, a checklist of things you have to do. Some people might be under the impression that closing out their TSP account on one of them, and it's actually the opposite. You can stay with the TSP um, and, and, and your account won't go anywhere. You'll get to enjoy all the benefits that come with the TSP, but you don't have to do anything at retirement. The only, the only requirement is that at, currently now, I guess, that at the age of 73, you have to start withdrawing something. That's right. That, those are the required minimum distributions or RMDs. And that's a rule set um, 
in law, and and obviously we have to follow it. It just recently changed to 73. It's been creeping up, and uh, it's going to continue to evolve over the next years and decades, I think. Um, but for now, it's 73. So when you reach that age, uh, the TSP will check your account to see, did you draw down enough? Did you make a withdrawal that satisfies that requirement? If not, they'll send you a check so that you do meet that requirement. And they'll do that every year because it's an ongoing requirement to make a certain withdrawal every year. That just comes with the territory of the tax benefits of these retirement savings plans. Um, they wanna make sure that you're setting this aside to spend it in retirement. It's not a, a perpetual tax shelter that uh, helps you get around your obligations. So Mike, we, we kind of touched on this earlier, but it's it's possible to for me to access my funds before retirement at 59 and a half or if you're in law enforcement it's different but right. anyway yes um what are the different options that exist we've got loans we've got just regular withdrawals how does that all yes and and i should stress the, you know, this is designed to be your retirement savings vehicle um not not so much a a, a piggy bank or you know a savings account that's there it 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 we really do want you to set this money aside and view it as, as your retirement savings. But in the event something happens, as we know life happens, and you have certain occasions where you might need to access that, there are um, features of the TSP that let you do that. First is, as you mentioned, loans. You can take what's called a primary residence loan, so basically a a mortgage to yourself, if you want to think about it that way. You can take a, a loan from your TSP account for the purpose of buying a, a, a primary residence. Um, you can also take a general purpose loan, which is doesn't require any use. I mean, that, that's as the name implies, it's general purpose. Um, both of those loans have fees associated with them. You have to pay a processing fee, and there are certain restrictions as to how much of your TSP balance you can use. Um, but what, but assuming you meet those requirements, you can, you can get access to that funds and then you'll be paying yourself back out of future paychecks. So on future paychecks, you won't just see TSP contribution, you'll see TSP loan repayment. And that's to include the interest. Right, and, and a lot of people see that and they think, oh, this is a great deal. I'm paying myself back with interest. Well. But it's at the G fund rate. Right. Yeah, that's that's one is thing. That? They 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 the the loan rate is based on on the G fund, um, which it, it fluctuates from time to time. But over recent years, it's looked like a great deal because the G fund has had a lower rate, uh, and and most likely lower than what a bank would give you for a mortgage. Right. But just keep in mind, you you are paying it back into your account, but it's still going to feel like it's hitting your paycheck. <laughs> And so your paycheck will be smaller if you take a TSP loan. And perhaps more importantly, that money is now absent from your TSP account. It's so not growing. It's not growing, right? right? You're not getting the benefit of it being invested for the long run. So we know that loans work for, for some people, but um, we just want, want you to be cautious when you, when you think about using it. And the same is true for the other category, which is just a a straight up withdrawal. You can take money out before retirement. You may have to pay a penalty and you'll you'll pay taxes, but um, 
it's it's there if you absolutely need it. I think we'd prefer you use it as a last resort as opposed to, as I said, a you know a piggy bank, to, a, a pot of money for for things on the side. So um, just we encourage people to to think about all the the implications before they make a, a loan, take a loan, or make a withdrawal. Um, so, Mike, as selfishly in my my own situation mm -hmm. with uh, having both Roth and traditional in the TSP, um, and I want to make a withdrawal, am I able to say, hey, you know what, I just want to pull from the traditional and leave the Roth, or how does all that work? You, you can do that. You have essentially three options. You could say, if you if you're someone like you with with money in both traditional and Roth, and you go to make a withdrawal, you could say, I want to make this withdrawal, and I want it to come only from my traditional assets. You could say you go to the other extreme and say, I want to make a withdrawal and I want it to come only from Roth assets. Or the third option would be what we call pro rata, just means proportional. Uh, you can make a withdrawal and it will come out of both accounts with the 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 weights according to how much is in each of those asset categories. So if you're let's say your account was 80% traditional and 20% Roth on the day you made your withdrawal, your with the amount that comes out of your account would be eighty percent traditional and twenty percent Roth. So it matches the mix that's currently in your account. Uh, so Mike, if if I want to make a change uh, to my TSP uh, and not as to where the money is going, um, but how much is going in there, do I do that on TSP.gov or how how do I do that? Yeah, it's it's a common misconception. You wouldn't go to TSP.gov to change the money that's being deducted from your paycheck. To do that, you'll go to your your agency's payroll system. For some folks, that's MyPay or Employee Express. There are several others, and they're all listed on, on TSP.gov if you need some help finding yours. But when you go in there, you'll have the option to set up your contribution, and you can do that as a percentage of your pay. You can do that as a fixed dollar amount each month. And then you can make that election that we talked about elsewhere, traditional versus raw. So how do you want it treated in terms of taxes? So that all is done through your your agency's payroll system. The way I understand it then is that I go into that I go into my agency system, tell them, hey, this is what I want to contribute. And then once that's done, then I go to TSP and I tell them how I want them to allocate. Exactly. And there are certain defaults in place. So if you are a civilian employee and you joined after September of 2015, your default setting is the life cycle fund, the L fund that most closely matches your anticipated withdrawal age when we think you're going to start spending the money. Uh, the same is true for uniformed services members who entered under, under retirement. So everyone who came in under uh, under BRS on or after January 1st, 2018. Now you can change those elections at any time. You would go in, that's where you would come to tsp.gov, log into my account, and you'll see a, a screen there called change my investment mix. And there, there's two, two broad categories there. One is change the way that future money coming in out of each paycheck, how that's invested, and then change the money that's already there. Um, the same idea. You're, you tell us which one of the five individual funds or the ten life cycle funds you want to invest in. Um, it's just you. You have to make that uh, choice essentially two times for once for money that's already come in, and once for future contributions. 
Okay. And if you haven't done, just to reiterate, if you, if you haven't done anything, you were put in something by default, which if you most likely is uh, the age appropriate life cycle fund. Uh, well, Mike, I want to thank you so much for coming on the SITREP, uh, flying in. Yes. I, I really greatly appreciate it. A lot of great information. And also thank you for your service. Yes, thank you. And uh, so everybody out there in the audience, uh, if you haven't done so already, make sure that you click that like button and subscribe so that you don't miss out on future episodes of the SITREP.